This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create and maintain meaningful relationships that contain sizzling sex without the shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is E, and E is for estrogen. And joining me today to cover this topic is Clarissa Christensen. Clarissa is an internationally recognized midlife and menopause coach and speaker who helps women reinvent themselves by shifting their mindset, building resilience, so that they become that woman who lights up the room, confident and energized. She is the host of Thriving Through Menopause podcast and was rated one of the top 20 midlife women's podcasts to follow in 2020. Over the last two years, she's been a guest on over 50 podcasts. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lori Beth. I am delighted to be here. So I am um, excited about doing this. Um, Now, we talked on your show, (laughs) and we're going to talk some similar issues, but we're going to say, here we are. Yep. Estrogen is something that uh, impacts all women. It certainly does. It impacts every woman, whether you are a young woman in puberty and it all kicks off. And certainly as we get into midlife, it can be a frenemy, I would say, and create a lot of havoc in our bodies. Absolutely. Um, And so one of the things we like to talk about on a show like this, I think, is to be talking about, you know, what is the impact on sex and intimacy? And what are the myths we have around sex and intimacy and um, midlife and sex and intimacy and the menopause, which are kind of, again, two different things. Um, For example, not unusual for me to have a woman who's around 35 talk to me about her increased drive. That is very true. And that is part of the whole journey because menopause isn't a single lumped in event it we have hormone decline from our mid-30s that's when it starts and they may just be fluctuating more at that stage and that can go on till we really think we're in the menopause and we're in our mid-40s and then we might have four or five years of really quite extensive symptoms of which the ones around libido and vaginal dryness are part of that. But some women can have a 15-year journey. You know, we're all a bit unique in this. So yep. it, the what happens to us in, in terms of our, our sexual uh, intimacy, our libido, and, and some of the physical aspects change during this period. So we're not talking about it's one thing or the other. It's an evolving process. 
and I know that, um, and I know that I certainly experienced this, that um, I hit 35 and um, suddenly though I had pretty much decided I wasn't going to have a child. All of a sudden I wanted a baby and um, I wasn't even really conscious of the, the intensity of that until I had a pregnancy, an accidental pregnancy. Now there's one of those things like when, when you're getting to the end of your fertility, you know, we are designed as human animals to reproduce, to, to make sure that the species goes on. And so as you're getting to the end of fertility, there's a drive, a hormonal drive towards pregnancy. Yeah. And that impacts libido. Yep. And it sometimes means more than one egg being, re- being re- released more often. So you get more twin pregnancies when people are older, not just because IVF, but because of this drive that happens. And it's really, um, you know, I remember women telling me that it was like you become this other thing and you don't have control over your drive. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, don't be ridiculous, you know. I was amazed Mm -hmm. to say that my relationship choice at that point was, was God awful would be understating it, but baby, right. That was the focus. Now I have an 18 year old. He's wonderful. Right. (laughs) And I can completely match your experience because I had my son at 37. He was completely unplanned, and my relationship was not a great one at that time either. And then I had this massive surge of libido um, through my mid-40s, and, and, and then it just kind of died away in my, in my early 50s. But it was, at times, I was quite overwhelmed. I'd never experienced that level of intensity of libido just sex is front and center in a way I didn't even couldn't even explain (laughs) well and the thing is is that when you talk about this if you're talking about it in mixed company like if people are talking about it or they're listening to a show like this with with men with them men are like yeah that's great oh I want to know those women that's not what partners do right no. <laughs> Oftentimes, the men in the women's life who hit into this surge are overwhelmed, if, if, particularly if you've been in relationship for a while. So there's two things that happen in my experience. One is, lovely, you make a really bad relationship choice because you, your body chooses, hormones play a really big part on the basis of who would be genetically compatible with you because your body says, we're going to make a baby, whether you like it or not. So there's that one, if you're single. If you're not single and you're in relationship, your body still will push towards that. So there's all sorts of accidents. But you may well be past the high sex part of most relationships, have a very high sex part at the beginning, and then they find a level, right? And so you're past that, and your partner's gotten into the routine and is often quite happy with the routine, or maybe they want a little more, and you become this, like, crazed (laughs) crazed nymphomaniac right and they're like what's that yeah 
And so men will be saying, I don't want any. And then the women feel rejected. Mm -hmm. Also, if men are used to being um, the initiator. Then it's, and so they're uh, initiating at their pace. And even if you like when they're the initiator, if you want it seven times in a week and they want it once in a month, you're going to have an issue. Yes. And nobody tells anybody this. So nobody knows what hit them. You know, they're just like, the women are like, what the hell is this? And the men are sort of with their friends. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't this wonderful? And, and cringing at home. Yeah. And I think I see that. I mean, I'm obviously engaged in a lot of Facebook groups and there is the occasional woman who dares to raise this issue because, you know, we have a different dominant narrative about it all being over. But the women that do are often saying things like, I feel sorry for my husband. He's wondering what on earth has hit him, you know, because I just want to and he does not want to do this at all. (laughs) Or... And this is an unfortunate one, or they think it's not got to do with them because in a sense it hasn't, it's not, it's my libido, it's my body, right? But they, they think you're, you're, and I've had guys say, I think she's having an affair. Um, Something's going on because she never used to want me. And now she wants me all the time. And they don't recognize it as, as various hormonal stages in a woman's life. Um, So that's one that I think is really interesting because that, precedes the beginning of menopausal symptoms. So I had my son when I was 39. And so you see this post 35, but frequently from like 37 to sort of babies born around 44, 45 Mm -hmm. are in this body is saying, you must reproduce, you must, you must, you must, because otherwise the species is going to die. I mean, our bodies have not evolved yet to take account of the state of the planet. No, definitely not. Our body is doing exactly what it always would have done, whether we were a Stone Age person or we're living in a digital world. That goes for lots of other things, and we can't stop that drive. Right, and so it's something you want to know about. So we're a few minutes from break. I want to encourage people to write questions in. I know a lot of people, I will encourage you to call questions in, but most often people are too embarrassed to do it. Um, (laughs) But... um, This is a great topic to write questions in, and uh, we will happily answer them. It doesn't matter if it isn't exactly related to this topic. We'll we'll take them and we'll answer them as best we can. That way you can be anonymous and you don't have to worry about people recognizing your voice. I'm always amused by that, that people are just so worried about it. But you know we deal with everything here, so don't be shy. Just send in your questions. And you're writing to Lori Beth at drlauriebethbisbee.com. And when we get back in a couple of minutes, we're going to pick on that transition into menopause and talk about some of the things that change for women and how to deal with them. But also talk about, guess what, guys? You go through hormonal changes, too. That's so, true. That's and, true. <laughs> and nobody talks about that. You know, you, 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 we're used to seeing shows on menopause, although not on sex and menopause, which is why I do this. But we are not used to talking openly about the fact that men's testosterone levels and therefore their libido changes over the lifespan. And so we're going to talk about that as well, because one of the things that's really clear is that when your libido drops, 
It's out of sight, out of mind. You don't think about sex as often and you're not even aware of it because your body is just not paying attention to it. So we'll talk a bit about that and what to do if you're now having a mismatched libido or if your libido is low, but you want it back. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And today we are talking E is for estrogen. And this is part two. And I am with the amazing Clarissa Christensen. So we're back. We are. Uh, Good to be back. (laughs) Well, before the break, uh, one of the things that came up in the break that I was thinking about was to briefly say something about pregnancy. So lots of people have discomfort around pregnancy and libido. It's a very interesting topic. Again, not one that they talk about with mothers when they're pregnant. They don't say some of you will go off sex for the entire time. That's not usually nearly as bothersome to to, to husbands as some of you will want sex all the time. And how do you deal with that desire? Because women have all sorts of hangups around that. Like they shouldn't be having sex or will it hurt the baby or, right? But there will be, for some women, the drive is really intense. They're constantly stimulated. Yeah. We don't talk about that. 
We don't talk about what breastfeeding is like. For some women hate it. Some women, it's horrible. Some women have a sexual response to breastfeeding and that comes from the hormonal component. So it's not something in their head. It's something in their body responding. And that's a huge taboo to talk about because women are, oh, how horrible. So it's another one of those. But estrogen affects our brain. It's a major player in our mood. And the way we, and we, you know, that's why we have some of the problems we have in midlife because of the mood. But it's also why we want to have sex when we're pregnant, when we're breastfeeding, and in the early stages of menopause. Yeah. I mean, it's so amazing. It's so powerful. So you should all know this. And one of the things that I advise clients to do is in, in that early stage, you know, that, that where the where libido is highest and is like actually step back before you make a decision to sleep with someone. I don't care how attracted to them you are. Take a breath. <laughs> because you make hormone hormonally fueled decisions that aren't necessarily good long-term decisions. They're your body's decision about procreation, not about anything else. So step back, take a step, have a think, calm down before you actually act on any of these impulses. Yeah, because they're strong. They're really, really strong. And, And as you said, so many women find themselves pregnant in their early 40s and we may not have planned that one, and that can be a bit of a shock if it's all you have already had your children, and you're thinking, phew, I've got teens, and we're getting towards the end, and then suddenly, mm, there we are back at square one, and that, that isn't what we had planned. Yep, that's a big one. So let's talk a bit about you know the kinds of things that women might not really get their head around or to expect in the midlife, the kinds of um, changes. So we, we mentioned libido, and, and the myth is, is, that, is that sex after the menopause doesn't exist, and, and both of us have client bases and, and certainly personally can speak to the fact that sex can be amazing after the menopause. Absolutely. Despite- Absolutely, Laurie Beth, and I think that is the thing that people are surprised about, that once your hormones do settle to this new normal that it is after your periods have stopped, lots of people get back, start having new partners or having sex with their partners. And then we're much more adventurous again, post the actual menopause change. And that is great. That's fantastic. And so that we shouldn't have that conversation that it's all over. That's terrible. Yeah. There's no, I mean, there's no reason for it to be all over. There are problems that we run into, and we'll talk about those in a bit. But the reality is, is that for many women, not having to worry about getting pregnant is a really big thing. For many women, women, particularly women who have been quite fertile, excuse me, and have had birth control failures where they know that they've done what they were supposed to do. Not having to worry about that anymore means that they're more spontaneous, they're more adventurous, they're happier to have sex because that huge consequence is no longer a possibility. 
Exactly. And I think that we don't realize how much that sits in the, the subconscious mind that we don't want to become pregnant, particularly later in our lives. We've done that and that's not the journey we want to go on. So that, that is part of the reason why not being able to verbalize that, but that's why we sometimes want to pull back. Yep. Yep. And, and there's also, you know, there's, the, there's also the physical changes that, that women have. I mean, look, hot flushes are um, deciding, decidedly unpleasant. Um, they can be worse than decidedly unpleasant. <laughs> Waking up in the middle of the night and having to strip everything off and then strip the bed because you've soaked through is not a pleasant experience. But even just thinking about, you know, having sex when you're having a hot flush, the thing about a hot flush is anything that starts a woman feeling warm during this period can trigger a hot flush. So it's like once your body starts to warm, there's no controls and you can't get rid of it. That's true. That's absolutely true. And you just, it, it isn't describable. If you haven't had one, then it's not very easy to explain, except it's a bit like somebody turned up a furnace inside you and it has to play out. But of course, that is also because of estrogen and often because we have an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. They're both going down, but the estrogen is more dominant. And there can be a lot of factors related like stress, what we eat and drink, um, how healthy our gut is that are all influencing that. But when it comes to sex, we don't feel appealing when we're dripping with sweat and we tend to want to be not touched. We just want to be cooled down. Right. And so think about it this way. Imagine you're having sex and the t- pre-menopause, you might have had a few drops of sweat because you're getting somewhat vigorous. In the menopause, boom, now you've got a flash. And now not only do you feel like you're burning from inside out, which is often not a pleasant feeling. It depends, right? Um, but you, when we talk about sweat, we mean sweat. Mm-hmm. You may have never sweat before and suddenly it's dripping from your hairline. It's dripping down your face. It's dripping everywhere. Some people can get past that and it's just like sweat is sweat. No big deal. But for lots of women that just they feel so, like you said, so unattractive and awful. And so you might be in the middle of the sex act and now you're dripping sweat and you want to stop. Yes. And you want somebody, don't touch me. I'm too hot. Please don't touch me. I'm too hot. Back off. And we think as well that we're not very clean. You know, so we get that sense that we're sweating and I'm, I maybe I smell and I don't feel very pleasant. And the last thing is you want another hot body on top of you or around you as well. So it sort of just feels like it's amplified when this yep. happens. And if you're somebody who normally has issues with stuff like that, it's just 10 times, 20 times worse. So what do you do about stuff like that? It's not easy, is it? I, and, you know, I really encourage people to try and confront it and just go, okay, so look, this is, this is the thing. You need to have the conversation with your partner so they know where you're going to be at. Like I, I say to people, missionary sex during that part of menopause 
is almost guaranteed to have you wanting to push them off of you and tell you tell them go away. Try a position where you don't have so much body contact. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because yeah. we're hot enough already. Right. We're just warm enough already. We don't need to dial up body body heat at all. We just need, you know, we will still want to have sex, but we just want to be comfortable in ourselves when, when we're having sex with our partner. Yep. And there's the other part of that too, which is that we often um, have difficult sleep, that it's a big part of menopause that there are sleep issues and sleep issues are due to a lot of different things, but hot flashes is definitely a, a nice big one of those things that, you know, women regularly wake up because of temperature changes in the night. And even women who don't soak their sheets and don't experience it at that level will still wake up. And, um, you know, this is a good news, bad news, guys. You know, it ends eventually for most women. There are some women who still have temperature control problems in their 60s, their 70s, their 80s. Um, and if you want to know if you're going to be one of those women, I hate to tell you this, look at your mother. That's true. That's and true. I, <laughs> my mother is going to be 81 tomorrow and she still has hot flashes. I'm 57 and I'm well, you know, I've got no, um, I had a hysterectomy, complete hysterectomy. So I've got none of that. I still have hot flashes. They're not like they were during menopause. I don't drip with sweat anymore, but it's not unusual for me to throw the covers off and wake up and want to be on top of the covers. And if he goes to touch me, <laughs> too hot, back up, I'm too hot. Yeah. And that's not unusual. So you need to be aware of that. And the thing, part of that, we're a few minutes from break, but I think part of that for people to know in terms of estrogen is, is that even when we we're finished with the uh, menopause, if we have ovaries, we still produce estrogen, we still produce progesterone, and we still produce testosterone up through almost the end of life. So there are still hormones there and you're more sensitive to them then. That's true. And, and, we, and we don't know, as you said, we don't know if we're going to be that person who is going to still continue. They're not as intense and not as frequent, but, you know, you might be, and that's not a small percentage of women. That's no, it's not. A it's a large. And, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I had my ovaries taken out as well. So in theory, I shouldn't have an issue. That's but, not true though. Right. And it, yeah. it, it, you know, because there are other things that trigger into this. So you should know that you might be stuck with this. So if you're going to be stuck with this, you, you learn to adjust, you know, you learn, you, you learn to look at different kinds of mattresses and different kinds of pillows and pads that you can put in your bed that will cool you down and all sorts of stuff that will at least help with some of this. So you get some decent sleep, which is really important because managing menopause when you don't have sleep is much harder than when you do. So we are one minute from break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the more intimate symptoms that are caused during this life transition and what you can do about them. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This is segment three of E is for Estrogen, and I'm with the amazing Clarissa Christiansen. And we said before the break, we were going to talk about some of the more intimate symptoms that can happen during the menopause. Yes, indeed. And aren't there a number of those? Mm-hmm. A lot of women obviously know about vaginal dryness. And that, that's the most common talked about negative symptom that women will mention on every Facebook group that eventually will come out in conversation when you, you coach them and work with them. And it causes so many problems because, yes, there are solutions down the pharmacist, but it's not a conversation that women find very easy to have. They're not even having it with their doctors. And are we surprised? Well, you get there and you've got seven minutes consult and you don't get to that discussion because we are not really sure. We're not sure if it's normal or if it's okay. So a lot of women are wandering around a little bit lost and it's causing us to pull away from our partners because sex is painful. Yep. That's a big one. Um, 
not only is sex painful, but sometimes vaginal dryness is so intense that actually walking around is painful. And, and that's when we definitely don't talk about. So it's bad enough that you're not lubricating extra for sex. Um, but some women are just not lubricating almost at all. And we need lubrication. And so, you know, vaginas don't sit open, right? Um, so the walls are touching each other and rubbing or the lips are touching each other and rubbing. Your, your vulval lips, your labia minora, labia majora are rubbing and there's no lubrication. And it's like sandpaper is what women describe it as. And it's, so it is incredibly painful. And so sometimes, you know, daily walking around is just horrific. And that one is even harder because, you know, it's one thing to put, to use lube for sex and anybody who's been listening to my show will remember the show L is for lube. And remember that we say always use lube because micro tears are a thing. And if you have micro tears, you have scar tissue. And if you have scar tissue, when you get to menopause, when you lose some elasticity, it makes things more difficult. So always use lube. Okay. Now we can set that aside. It's one thing to use lube when you're having sex. It's another thing to, to want to have lubrication during the day and to find a product that's comfortable for you that will keep that up. Yeah, that's true. And I think that a lot of the lube that women get offered over the counter hasn't really been worked through for midlife women. It's not a daily product that you would have outside of sex. Although I understand there are more products coming onto the market that are really catering for midlife women. Yes. And so you need to you need to be looking for that and you need to get comfortable telling your pharmacist what it is you're looking for. Because it may not be obvious. Um, I think as we have a more of an aging female population, we've got things like um, now we have, you know, um, the pants and the pads for urine leaks and things like that, which, you know, when I was younger, you never saw any of that. But now you do because there's a much larger population that that's become something that you get adverts for. And now we're also getting adverts for lube. So that's probably one of the most common problems. Most women experience a degree of dryness at some point during the menopause. Absolutely. I mean, estrogen has hundreds of roles in the body and one of its biggest roles is in lubrication. So, and keeping us, you know, plenty of collagen and plumped up, it's playing that role. So, you know, we'll see it. We'll see it because we're wrinklier. Our joints feel a bit off, you know, not as comfortable. And our vaginas are drier because estrogen is declining. And that comes more towards the back end. When we really have had lots of fluctuating, then estrogen really takes its nosedive. And that's why a lot of the dryness is more when we're a bit older and when we're postmenopausal. And that doesn't disappear when our hormones have balanced out. Yep. And so that's something that you will need to do something about regularly. Now, there are some more innovative treatments around this. There's some laser treatments that are deliberately targeted to um, help build new collagen, which provides for extra lubrication. Um, There are some really good treatments. However, um, depending on who's marketing them to you, it will be how much pain that they believe that, you know, that they say that they, you will feel. 
having um, done one of these, I will tell you that I was told it wouldn't be painful. I would have some mild discomfort. Now, I have a relatively high pain threshold, personally. And um, those of you who have seen me know that I'm covered in tattoos. So we know that I know something about that sort of thing. You know, so that kind of pain from doing something to myself as opposed to, you know, incidental stubbing your toe. I found it very painful. I bore it. I was able to bear it, right? But I actually found the treatment painful enough that I yelped. So I think you need to consider, um, and these are treatments that you need three of them, two or three of them to, to, to really see a result. They're also very helpful for prolapse. But again, you need a few of them to see a result. Unfortunately, we locked down after my first one, so who knows? Um, but it is definitely another option that women don't get told about a lot. They basically get told that there are creams and pessaries and lubes that they can use and there's nothing else. There is other options. And then you made a great segue there to the whole area of our pelvic floor, yeah. which we need to talk, you know, so much more about because you know, one in four of us as midlife women are going to experience a pelvic floor issue. And for some women, it is simple urinary or fecal incontinence, which is, you know, difficult. It can make us feel very uncomfortable. It can, with, you know, make us not want to have sex, can make us withdraw from activities that we like to do. And that can go, obviously, to the far end of a prolapse. And that is very painful and can really impact penetrative sex. Absolutely. And so when we talk about things like um, pelvic floor, so and most of us have heard, yes, you should exercise your pelvic floor. And one of the things that I didn't realize until I went to get this treatment was that, um, that we have deeper muscles and we have more shallow muscles and that a lot of pelvic floor exercises, the way they teach us to, to exercise our pelvic floor we, many of us will only be exercising the shallow muscles. And so we might think that we've got really great pelvic floor muscles and we're still having symptoms and we don't know why. And it's because the ones deeper in actually aren't getting exercise. Some women really do the deeper ones well, and it's the ones that are shallow that they don't do well. So there are things like LV, which is um, an insertable that helps get, that has an app that helps teach you how to make, to do proper good pelvic floors uh, floor exercises and and proper good kegels. Um, there are electronic ones, and um, for a long while I was using one of those, and it, it was doing the front muscles and not the back. Um, but there's this new thing called Perfect, which is another one with an electronic sensor, but it's not an electronic. Um, it doesn't stimulate electrically electronically. Um, so it's not an e-stim type, um, but it's got a sensor and um, it has a sensor for the deep muscles and a sensor for the shallow muscles and it's gamified. So the app is completely gamified and it does things like strength, endurance, um, agility. Can you clench and release and clench and release? Can you isolate the muscles? I mean, it's, it is quite complex. 
and you improve over time. So you can see like sometimes uh, people have strength, but only for a very short second, like for like a microsecond. So they don't actually, they're not actually having good held contractions, right? So it's, I think right now, I, I mean, I bought it because I saw it and I thought it was interesting and I'm, I've been using it and I'm finding it really helpful. And I think um, it's probably a much better all-rounder than some of the other things I've seen. But it would have been much easier for me if somebody had talked to me about doing this like 60 million years ago, like before getting pregnant. Exactly. And I would be saying to every woman, whatever age you are, you've got to strengthen your pelvic floor because it is going to weaken over your lifetime. And you can support that by having a plant-based diet that and being hydrated because that's also going to take some of the pressure off. So it's do your exercises and back it up with, with a good diet and you're going to find that it's much, much stronger and we're not going to feel that pressure pushing on the vaginal wall when we're having sex. And um, for those of you who are overweight, many of us are, if you can get your weight down a little bit, that's also very helpful. Um, they're not joking when they say that. It's well worth it. It makes a big difference if you can decrease your weight because the, the kind of pressure that's there decreases. Um, so we're a couple of minutes from break again, and we've got one more segment. We haven't had any burning questions come in. But we'll cover some of the other things, some of the other symptoms, and we'll talk about men in the last segment. Um, because men also have estrogen, funnily enough. We all get a bit of each other's hormones. And I do want to talk about testes testosterone in relation to women as well. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes afterwards from our sponsors. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists 
along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And today it's E is for estrogen. And I'm with the incredible Clarissa Christensen. And this is our last segment. And we said we would talk about uh, testosterone in women and in men. So let's start with the fact that many women don't even know they produce testosterone. Very true. Very true. And testosterone has an important role to play in our body. And when we actually have our good levels, and we feel a lot of energy and drive. And when we actually see that decline, which it also does in menopause, then we often hear women talking about being fatigued, exhausted, And they don't understand where that's coming from because that isn't the same as not sleeping. It's kind of bone tiredness, and that's your testosterone dropping away. And, of course, if we feel that level of exhaustion, well, then sex is just too much effort. We we don't want to do that because we've got an energy barely to get out of bed and move ourselves around normally. Absolutely. And the other part of it is is that our sex drive, part of our libido, dropping away is down to testosterone. Um, Low testosterone can cause depressive symptoms. So these are really important things to know. And again, the ovaries will continue to produce testosterone, although less, uh, through most of your lifespan. So if you have your ovaries removed, you will suddenly have none. And then you have to supplement, don't you? And it's really important to supplement. Um, It is depending on where you are in the world, actually quite difficult. So in the United Kingdom, you cannot get testosterone on the NHS unless your ovaries were removed due to cancer and you were much younger, like you're not in menopausal age, um, or um, you're transitioning. So if you're, if you're transgendered and you're transitioning, then you can get testosterone. Um, most um, places on the NHS will not prescribe it for a menopausal woman or, or a, post, a postmenopausal woman. Um, and uh, you would have to go and get it privately. There are a number of different ways they do it. Um, the two most readily available ways, one is um, there, there is an implant, and, and the implant is, there's, I think, one still targeted at women. Um, I did not choose an implant because you cannot titrate the dose, and if you're somebody who responds sensitively to various things like drugs and hormones, then um, you want to be able to titrate a dose or you're going to find you have loads of yucky side effects. Um, there's a gel that you can get that's most often prescribed for men, but they will prescribe a lower dose for women and you can get that privately. So it will cost you, but it's not outrageous. It's not an outrageous amount of money. 
Um, and it's well worth it. And, and one of the main side effects from that is you get some extra hair growth. I haven't had any other side effects besides extra hair growth. So, um, you know, I can't complain. It's a wonderful thing. Um, and it really, you would be surprised how big an impact can be made with just a small amount. It's huge. Huge. Um, and so it's something that women really need to know about because you need all your hormones. You do. And you need, you need them in the right balance too. That's the other thing. So we need, we need estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone well balanced with each other because otherwise we see the symptoms that are very common whether we're low libido or we're too hot or we're putting on too much weight, all of those things are when your hormones are imbalanced. And it's one of the interesting things is they rarely talk about um, supplementing progesterone in women who have lost their ovaries, right? So I've got HRT for um, estrogen, nothing for progesterone, which is, which is one of my complaints um, and is something I'm bringing up again because progesterone has a really high role in the, in the hot flushes. Um, and so it's like, if you want that to die down a bit, it's nice to have some of that. They have issues when you do have, still have a womb about progesterone sometimes and the balance of progesterone and estrogen in terms of cancer. But if you don't have a womb, there's no reason to have issues around this. It should be a simple matter. You should be able to go into your GP and have a nice balanced conversation. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that's rarely the case. That's often the case. And I think for women to know that we often get offered nothing and kind of shuffled out the door. Um, and a lot of women end up going to special clinics to get the hormones that they need. Ooh. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, with the last thing we wanted to mention is we did want to mention men. So there's some myth that men have midlife crisis that has no physiological symptoms to it. It's wrong. Men to experience a drop in hormones as they get older. It's not a dramatic shift at one point like women. No. Theirs is a, is, is, a, is a slower shift. It's a more variable shift. Some men experience a lot, some don't. But there are a lot of men walking around with low testosterone who are unaware of it, who are exhausted, feel depressed, and have no libido. Yes, and I see that a lot with the women I work with, the women who I you know, have connection with on social media. They won't be talking about their libido dropping away, but the fact that he, you know, the man in my life isn't interested in sex anymore. He wants to um, sit on the couch and, and you know, not, he has no energy and no joy in life. And a lot of the times women personalize that because they're going through physio. If, if you're in a relatively the same age group and you're going through the physiological changes as well, and maybe your curves have changed and you put on a little bit more weight and maybe you've got wrinkles now and you're worried about your attractiveness. He doesn't want to have any sex. What does the woman think? A lot of the times it's, oh my God, you know, he's gone off me. He's going to trade me in for a younger model. When actually what's going on is he's got decreased testosterone and that's what he's suffering from. So we're, all, we're very close to close. So I just want to put in this little plug. It's easy for a man to get tested. If you've had changes like this, get tested. If you're in relationship and you don't notice, if you've got a partner, male or female, get your partner to get tested. It's not that difficult to fix. 
Well, it makes a huge difference to that and takes a lot of that, as you said, that emotional worry that there is something else going on with your relationship. And then you can have conversations with each other once you know what's going on. But we can't do that if it's by telepathy. Absolutely. So where can people find you, Clarissa, if they want to join one of your groups or they want to work with you? So they can find me on my website, and that is clarissachristiansen.com. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can find me there too. Absolutely brilliant. So I want to thank you guys for listening today. If you have more questions, do email me at drlaurybeth at a to z of sex.com. Don't miss my erotica podcast, which is Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. You can get that on drlaurybethbisbee.press or if you head over and join my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee, you can get exclusive extra readings, ebooks, interviews with the authors and some cool swag. Now, my patrons help me defray the costs for producing not only that podcast, but for this radio show. If you have really enjoyed this show, do head over to a to z of sex.com to pick up an excerpt from the upcoming A to Z of Sex book and look at joining my 30-day A to Z of Sex program. It's a self-guided program that takes you through all sorts of aspects of sex and helps you to create a map of desire and interest and no-go areas that lays a template for you to have conversations with people with whom you might want to have an intimate relationship. Next week, F is for fetish, and DK Green is joining me for that, and it's going to be a fabulous show. If you've got questions, don't forget to send them in. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Please stay safe and do stay sexy. I look forward to next week with all of you then. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to LoriBeth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.